Eternal God, creator of time and of space, we gather this morning to worship you. Remind us of your everlasting presence, your steadfast love in our yesterdays, your grace in the present, your hope for tomorrow. For our hope and our trust is in you, Lord. Hold us close as you meet us this morning. Amen. Well, Lord, you remind us that there is a time for everything. Let today be a time to love and a time for peace. Let today be a time to heal hurts of the body and hurts of the heart, to mend what has been broken. Let today be a time to embrace our fellowship with you and with each other, to build up your beloved community. Let today be a time to speak out for justice, to scatter the stones of ill will, and to plant compassion in their place. Let today be a time to keep watch with those who work or wait or mourn, with those whose times are in your hand. God, you have placed a sense of past and future into our minds. You walk with us from the beginning to the end. Amen. Please be seated. Today's reading is from the book of Ecclesiastes, chapter 3, verses 1 through 11. There is a time for everything and a season for every activity under the heavens, a time to be born and a time to die, a time to plant and a time to uproot a time to kill and a time to heal, a time to tear down and a time to build, a time to weep and a time to laugh, a time to mourn and a time to dance, a time to scatter stones and a time to gather them, a time to embrace and a time to refrain from embracing, a time to search and a time to give up, a time to keep and a time to throw away a time to tear and a time to mend, a time to be silent and a time to speak, a time to love and a time to hate, a time for war and a time for peace. What do workers gain from their toil? I have seen the burden God has laid on the human race. He has made everything beautiful in its time. He has also set eternity in the human heart, yet no one can fathom what God has done from beginning to end. Here ends the reading. Thanks be to God. Peace be with you. So for those of you who don't know me, um, I am a professor in the music department and a musician myself. And as a musician, I am obsessed with time. Unlike other art forms, music is a temporal art, meaning it exists in time. That's not an evaluative statement, just an observational one. But anytime you hear a piece of music, or a melody, or even one note, it's over. It's like mist. It's gone. And as such, musicians are very particular and very precise in regards to how we approach time. We can say that a, the speed of a piece of music is 100 beats per minute. That means 100 pulses within 60 seconds. And we group those pulses together in groups of two, three, four, etc. 
And then we can divide those pulses into eighth notes and sixteenth notes. And from there we can make an infinite variety of rhythms. And that quest for perfection affects all other areas of music performance in regards to tone, intonation, pitch accuracy, articulation, diction, balance, dynamics, etc., etc. Now, I want all of you to recall in your own minds a memorable music, musical performance that you experienced. Now, it could be a, a pop artist that you listened to and went to their concert. It could be a hymn that you sang in church, singing in a choir, marching in a band. Just take a few seconds. Now, second part of this, ask yourself, what was it about that experience that made it so memorable and moving to you? Now, while there might be a diversity of answers, I'm guessing there's going to be a critical mass of you that would say things like, it was beautiful. It brought me to tears. I was so excited. I doubt anyone sitting here said, it was technically precise and accurately executed. <laughs> because the truth is, our attempt at precision is a means to an end and not an end in itself. The ultimate goal for any musician is to give a moving and expressive musical performance. If we focus only on technical precision, the performance is lifeless. But if we only focus on trying to be expressive and we play all the wrong notes, then that also doesn't happen. If you want to give a backhanded compliment to a musician, tell them that their performance was accurate. <laughs> Please never say that to me. <laughs> But as the ancient Buddhist saying goes, the raft is not the shore, that our technical precision is not an ends of itself. And this dichotomy extends to how our brains react when we are around music and when we are not around music. According to neuroscientists, much of our daily lives is spent worrying, worrying about the past and worrying about the present, called the default mode network. Now, further, when we talk about music, Neuroscientists know that when we listen to things, it could be noise or traffic, that the part of our brain that processes auditory inputs becomes engaged. And then when we're having a truly mu moving musical experience, that the part of our brain that processes our deep, most intimate, personal feelings and thoughts also becomes activated. Ironically, we are in a sense focusing externally and internally. Ex externally as we're listening to things, internally as we're processing our, 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 our deepest desires and needs and wants. And this is not just germane to, to music, it's real, it can relate to poetry, it can visual art, meditating, contemplative prayer. So what does any of this have to do with today's scripture reading? Well, when I read Ecclesiastes, there are nearly 29 appearances of the word time in the first eight verses. I think the author was probably just about as obsessed with time as most musicians are. And when I was younger, I viewed these sayings or uh, scripture verses as sort of stating the obvious. Yeah, sometimes I love people, sometimes I don't. Sometimes I'm alive, sometimes people die. It's like, gee, thanks, Captain Obvious. Anything else you can help me with? <laughs> but I suspect that my misunderstanding partly had to do with the weaknesses of the English language, for we only have one word for time. And other languages have multiple words for time. 
For instance, in ancient Greek, they had two words for time, chronos and kairos. Chronos is what we think of when we think of time. That's uh, minutes, seconds, hours. Time is duration. It's where we get the word chronological from. The other word, kairos, is admittedly a much larger concept and, and sometimes more difficult to understand. It can mean an opportune moment for something to happen, a critical juncture in the journey of our lives, a moment where time has come to fullness. The Franciscan author Richard Rohr calls it God's deep time. Or the Lutheran theologian Paul Tillich defines kairos as the eternal breaking into the temporal. I have this image of the temporal being like the fabric of time being violently ripped apart and God's eternal light shining through. And the reading speaks beautifully of the concept of kairos. Life is full of moments where critical junctures dramatically alter our lives or we get to a moment in our lives where the fogginess of meaning and perspective and purpose comes into focus and the gift of perspective is then bestowed upon us that we realize that the daily worries excuse me <laughs> that consume us don't really matter in the long run shortly before my pa <laughs> excuse me the reason i'm crying is i'm about to quote my father who just passed away and uh, i'm just a big crybaby sometimes <laughs> but one thing he reminded me of uh, when I was venting to him, he would say, will any of this matter on your deathbed, Michael? And when we complain about stuff and we worry about it, there we're going back into that negative self-talk and that default mode network. So you might be asking yourself, how do we find these moments? How do we develop this understanding of God's deep time? If I had a simple solution for you, I'd probably have written a book by now called Finding Your Kairos in Four Easy Steps, available in two days with Amazon Prime membership. <laughs> the reality is it's not that easy and often unpredictable. However, we can put ourselves into those places where we can begin to discern God's deep time. And looking back on what I said earlier about neuroscience, it can happen when we engage with art, it can happen when we engage with poetry, prayer, meditation. But regardless of the path, it does require a degree of attentiveness and a degree to be commit, committed to being here and now, to be in the present, to be, as the psalmist writes, to be still and know that God is God. Yet, resting in God's deep time and discovering our kairos moment, if you will, shouldn't just be some self-absorbed, feel-good, new-agey experience. Because as I said earlier about neuroscience, um, those moments are both internally focused and externally focused. And it can't just be an internally focused event. It's there in that resting within God's deep time that we more fully understand God's commandment to love one another. Further, <clears throat> the eternal, eternal commandment to love our neighbor and to do the least of these for others has far-reaching implications that we don't always understand. As a homosexual male myself, I've often reflected on how someone like myself went from being a debased, disgusting, destroyer of societies, and in about 20 years, have the freedom to marry. Now, that's not to imply that discrimination doesn't exist against LGBTQ plus individuals. It does, but one can't deny that a dramatic shift has taken place within our culture. 
And to make sense of sort of this dizzying shift, I've gone to a rather unlikely source, the Supreme Court. I've read and reread the Supreme Court decision legalizing marriage equality, and one line from the majority opinion has always sort of stayed with me and I meditated on. It's from um, former Supreme Court Justice Anthony Kennedy, and he writes, the nature of injustice is that we may not always see it in our own times that generations that wrote and ratified the Bill of Rights in the 14th Amendment did not presume to know the extent of freedom in all of its dimensions. And so they entrusted to future generations a charter protecting the rights of all persons to enjoy liberty as we learn its meaning. Now, I'm not going to give a dissertation on constitutional law, but I think we can learn something about God's love from that statement. Because in reality, we don't always understand or see the architecture of injustice within our societies. We don't always understand how our hatred exists. We don't even know that it does exist, much less how it affects other people. But we also don't always know that the, the full extent of God's love in all its dimensions. Regardless, we are commanded to love one another as God loves even as we learn the full extent of that meaning. And those moments of understanding, whether personal or societal, could be understand, understood as kairos moments. And every generation has those moments. In the last 100 years, we've had many. Suffrage movement of the early 20th century, civil rights in the 1950s and 60s, gay rights, Me Too, Black Lives Matter, or the crisis of our brothers and sisters seeking asylum at the US-Mexico border. But I don't think I could probably sum this up nearly as well as Martin Luther King Jr. in his letter from Birmingham jail when he writes, human progress never rolls in on the wheels of inevitability. It comes through the tireless efforts of men and people and women willing to be co-workers with God. And without this hard work, time itself becomes an ally of the forces of social stagnation. Kronos. We must use time creatively in the knowledge that the time is always ripe to do what is right. Kairos. So as the scripture reminds us, God does, not make God does make everything right in its time, but only if we are participants. Amen. Please pray with me. Ages the one who created time and is sovereign over its every passing moment. Be near to us at this turning of the year. Help us to look back and celebrate all that you have done and all you have accomplished through us and to build your kingdom of justice and peace. Empower us also to face the disappointment, the holy frustration of the change we have yet to see. And above all, fill us with your spirit that we might look to the year ahead with hope, determination, and love. We need your perspective, God, your hope, and your guidance. Amen. May the holy wisdom of God guard your ways and guide your paths. May the living truth of God enlighten your heart and open your minds. And may the living spirit of God give you life and life to the fullest. Amen. Amen. I invite you to share a sign of God's peace and love with the people next to you. <laughs> 